Have you ever been frustrated with anybody in your family? Have you siblings? I want to talk to the young people especially today uh, because it's something really on my heart. Uh, I grew up in a home with, uh, we went to church, but no biblical basis whatsoever. No, Lorena, thank you for the verse this morning. No foundation to stand on when just stuff came rattling at us when I was a kid. And my, kid, my parents were so far dysfunctional this way that, guess what, I just followed them. And without Christ, I would not have been there. Anybody ever been frustrated? Mom, why are you, why are you trying to teach me this? I don't need to know this. I remember talking to my boys and, and they would look at me like, really? You think I'm that stupid? That would frustrate me. How about has anyone caused you pain? Have you ever been severely wounded? We're going to talk about that today a little bit, not a lot. Uh, because that's my my whole life has been uh, rattled with pain. Um, I, I want to talk about the wound, but I'm going to share a little incident that happened to me when I was only five years old. And uh, we had been coming home from school. It was early. Well, it was actually in the fall of the year. And uh, this lady had a really nice apple tree in her yard. Oh man, the apples. And so my sister and I walked up to the door and we asked this lady if we could have some apples. And she said, yeah, yeah, go help yourself. She turned around and walked in the house. So we went over to our apple tree and we started picking apples. And there was a neighbor about a half a block down with a nice white picket fence around his yard and just a really nice house. And he said, what are you guys doing over there? And we looked at him. And he opens his gate up to this nice white picket fence, and a dog comes out. And he goes, get him. Now, my sister outran me. So you know the rest of the story. Yeah, I, I never have asked anybody if there's any marks there. I just leave it alone. But the biggest wound came to me when I got home, and my parents actually thought I was lying. Now, what does that pertain to as a five-year-old? It's just something you subconsciously lock in your head and pretty soon you build on that. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 13. And, and What I want to talk to us about this morning is one is tested by God by the motivations of other men and women. There is not one thing that comes into our life that doesn't enter us through a human being. You can say, really? Well, I would ask how many of us have suffered a death in this building in the last four years. And that pain is real. I want you to understand that that pain is real. 
and that entered your life through a human being. Just amazes me how that goes. If you would, I have this little thing that I've always done. If you would rise and we would read the beginning of God's word. If you can, rise and let's uh, read God's word. Um, I think I have that here. You'll have to help me there. Oh, I got that wrong. We'll come back to that. There we go. If a prophet among you, if a prophet is among you, or one who claims to foretell the future by dreams, and if this, his predictions come true, but he says, come, let us worship the gods of other nations. Don't listen to him, for the Lord is testing you to find out whether or not you really love him with all your heart and soul. And you must never worship any god but Jehovah. Obey only his commands and cling to him. Thank you for the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Now isn't it amazing in this verse, it talks about someone coming up to us and telling us truth. And it is truth that he tells us, but all of a sudden he turns and he says, let's go over here and have fun. Let's go over here and enjoy ourselves. Let's go over here and uh, let's don't worry about what other people are thinking. God says, don't do this. And young people, now us old people, we're kind of getting stuck in our ways. We're kind of um, getting to a point where we think that we know enough that we don't have to change. Not. I am finding out that God is totally hewing stuff off at my life. I'm 63 years old. I don't care if you're 80 or 90, God is still at work in you. He might be improving your prayer life. He might be improving your love for your spouse, even though it might be just becoming tremendously difficult. He might be improving you just through the relationship of your kids. You know, my kids are all moved away from home, and I love them. My, my daughter and son-in-law are here today, and, and um, there's days I'd like to give them a piece of my mind. I can't anymore. But what's really cool is they call me up and ask me for advice. And you think, well, what's that all about? That's the power of God's word. Because we have a kindred spirit inside of us. And it never happened in my home. So young people, I'm, I'm going to be talking to you a lot today about this verse. Why is this verse so important? Look up Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Now, for me, when I first became a Christian, the scriptures contradicted themselves all the time. They did. They contradicted themselves all the time. And nobody could tell me that they didn't. Okay? Because I knew everything. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, against the, and the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And I, re- I read this verse, and then I read the verse that, that this guy, the Lord is testing you through this person in Deuteronomy. He's testing you through this person. Now, some tests are really good. Now, I want to know how many kids in here from the age of, oh, eight or nine to graduation that your folks have told you something that has come true. Raise your hand. Now, I hope your parents haven't told you to go worship another god or the gods of this nation. But that's because your parents love you and they care about you. We're going to come back to the concept of frustrations now for a minute. And I'm going to walk down a road real slow and talk about... um, Children, we were talking about children being frustrated by their parents. You want to go to a movie. I remember when I was a kid, they had drive-in theaters, and we could go to the theater all night. They had four movies, and we could go to the movie all night. Now, here's the problem. I didn't have a curfew. My parents didn't care. You think, what? That'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, it wasn't great. It wasn't great at all. Because I never knew where the boundaries were at. I never knew if someone really loved me. And so I just did what I wanted to do. Whenever I wanted to do it. I didn't even have this. Well, I didn't in one way. I had the fear of God in my life because my parents, if I did something wrong, I mean, even if I did something wrong at school, I didn't want my parents to find out because not only would I get in trouble in school, I'd get whipped when I got home. It didn't matter whether it was my fault or not. So I had a healthy fear of God, a wrong fear of God in a sense. So children, think about that. What about you... Young people to your teachers, have you ever got frustrated with your teacher? And, man, they don't know squat. What are they talking about? How many of you ever been given a test by your teacher? Did you like the test? No. But you know what it does? It measures whether you're being diligent to life. And there's so many of us that don't want to be diligent to life. I just changed new jobs, and my test now is to learn all the information that I have to learn. And i got to get a CDL license, and i got to go get a hazmat license. And you think, oh, what good is that? What does that got to do with us? Guess what? We're never supposed to quit learning. A leader that quits learning quits leading. If you are a mother and you quit learning, 
and you say learning, what's one of the greatest things that we can never stop learning? To love people. To love those people that are around us. It's just... I think about teenagers to teachers or other students. One of the things that I had trouble with is I ran around with guys that thought like me. And I didn't think very good. Just ask Manny. He'll tell you how, much, how well I think sometimes. And we did whatever we pleased most of the time. We didn't want to get in trouble with the law, but... You think about what other students can do to you. Now, here's, we're going to follow a path. First we talk about the Lord is testing you. And then he says in Ephesians that you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So children, adults, when you get frustrated with your children, when you get frustrated with your wife, when you get frustrated, you're not fighting that person. But what do we do most of the time? Most of the time we take it out on that person. And that isn't what God had planned for at all for any of us. I have to watch the time because I think I could probably go for through dinner. I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, and I want to take a full counsel of God, and I want to look at it in the context of how God has taught me. Now, I pray that it will help you come to the conclusions that I've come to with my thinking, because it's really helped me. Um, but I also have to remember to tell, I don't know if you're young or old, but I would... I would encourage you to get a sponsor. And what is a sponsor? That's someone you can go tell your heart to, whether it's wicked or right. You need that person in your life to put their finger on you so that you can be held accountable for your thinking. Because God doesn't care. I mean, he does care what I do, but what I do permeates from how I think and what's in my heart. And if my love doesn't grow, if I don't concern, you think about all the movies we watch. How many of you believe in villains? Nobody here believes in a villain? You believe that there's a hero and a villain in every movie? Yeah, that's why they make them. There's even heroes and villains in life. Even when we're in school or even when we're, we have people that we look up to. But here's the danger that comes with the people that we run around with. See to it, Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human traditions, according to the elementary spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him, not by him, but in him, 
who is the head of all rule and authority. Now I want to go back up to the other verses, but first I want us to understand something. The Lord is testing you. Do you really love him? The second verse we ran is that you're not fighting against flesh and blood. And most of you will argue with me, but that's the word of God, that's the power of God's word, and that has to come inside of you, and it has to... I mean, if you've been hurt by some person, it's really hard not to get that person out of your sight. And here's why. You've been held captive by a philosophy and by empty deceit. And if you don't think it's true, let me share a story with you. I was 12 years old. I just got out of the hospital. I had frostbite both my lungs. And my dad was, of course, he was a paranoid schizophrenic, so I was either his enemy or his friend. It, you can juggle them around if you want to. I, I'm not going to take you there. But the thing was, is we were doing something one day, and I can't remember what we were doing, but I can see where we were at. I can still see it in my head. And something happened, and I started crying. I just started crying. And my dad walked up to me, and he grabs a hold of me, and he says, Real men don't cry. And I never cried again until I met Christ, ever. I met Christ at 21. I never cried from 12 to 21, not once. You want to have a false philosophy in life because of an empty deceit, because it's done by human traditions? It was a tradition that my dad was carrying on from past generations. I never saw my dad cry. I never saw, my dad never told me he loved me. Well, isn't it funny that there's villains and heroes in life? I want, one of the things that really uh, we do in life a lot of times is when I was growing up on TV, I'm not going to make this thing work very good. Oh, there we go. And I can't even see that. There we go. Oh, look at that. Now it's caught up with me. Now we're going backwards. You helping me, Anthony? I told you he loves me. In life, we pick and choose heroes and villains. We will either make someone a hero or we will make them a villain. And I looked up this whole concept, and we call it a protagonist and an antagonist. And uh, Protagonist is a person uh, basically is an active participant in an event, and they basically they're, you know, and we see them in movies all the time. But subconsciously, we create them in everyday life. You either like that person or you don't like that person, right? He's either a hero or a villain, and yet we don't fight against flesh and blood now, do we? But there's another dangerous part of the whole concept of this because, you know, the, one is the champion, that's a protagonist, and the other one is an adversary. So just keep that in your mind, 
Okay, are you a protagonist and are, are you gonna be the champion in the movie? But something happens with the villain, and I know this personally because I ran around with people like this. They come, become narcissistic. And a narcissistic person is really a cool person. They really are. They're really cool. They have a positive attitude in life. Nothing. They just really are positive about themselves. And they draw people to themselves. They have a really magnetic... Think about this. A narcissism is a personality disorder that most apparently manifests itself in an individual's ability to listen. A narcissism is defined as excessive interest in oneself. Know anybody like that? It's all about me, babe. It was. This one of the guys that I ran with, it was all about him. If he had something to say, fine. But if you wanted to talk, he wasn't going to listen to you. We have this ability to do this. And one of the illustrations of this is World War II. How many of us... Um, it's fascinating to me because each side, as we think about vilifying the other, Americans show a swastika bearing boot crushing a church, or a swastika bearing arms stabbing a dagger through a Bible. Meanwhile, the Nazis were painting Hitler as a Christ-like figure wearing a cross, bearing a sword to vanish the evil dragons representing Germans' enemies. It depends on how you're looking at it, isn't it? You think that's evil? The thing that's evil is that they were normal in a lot of ways. So we're going to talk about villains um, because that's where I lived. That's where God grew me out of. He didn't leave me there. I was a villain, okay? I was the guy that was going to get anything done, and, and the ends justified the means. Just as long as the end came out right, it didn't matter how I got there. So one of the things we're going to look at is uh, I looked up this thing on villains, and it had these eight kind of concepts on villains, and the first one was going from pole to pole. Um, if you look hard enough, and you will find that there is always a long chain of circumstances leading to a seemingly unmotivated crime, and these circumstances can be found in the criminal's physical, sociological, sociological and mental makeup. Well, mine started with my mental makeup when I was very small, when my parents thought I was lying to them. And my parents treated me that way all the time. And if you get around anybody that is thinking that way, uh, pretty soon physically they gather people around them of the same kind. Now, most of you have grew up in a Christian home. And so you probably don't have bad friends, or what you would say is bad friends. Well, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My friends weren't bad. You have to understand that. My friends were good. And I had... Four or five people in my life, and, boy, this is really bad, Donnie, to have to say this. They were Bible thumpers. 
they were always preaching Jesus to me. Always trying to get me to go to church. That's okay for you. Anybody been in that boat before? So God was always present in my life, but things were pushing me, shoving me. And the thing that tipped me over, probably the worst was, is when I was in an eighth grade and I got stuck in a locker with a knife to my throat. Now you think, oh, that's happening all over the world, so don't. If you run with the crowd, you're going to live with the crowd, okay? And I decided I was never going to have that happen to me again. So I put a lot of friends around me that, hmm, it's all right. So you can see my mental makeup was really being formed well. Okay? Then the next thing that happens is the wound. And that's what led me to the, what got me going was the wound. And there's not a person in here that doesn't have a wound. I don't care who you are. You've been wounded by somebody or something in your life. It could create a wall. could stop you from growing as a Christian. But the wound is when you give us an early glimpse of a character wound, we are on board for the ride. We are rooting for success, the outcome on an emotional level. Now, young people, I want to hit you right here. The scripture tells us that we shouldn't get unequally yoked with a lost person. And that doesn't include marriage. I got got involved in business with a lost person. And if you think that being involved with a lost person doesn't have consequences, they don't think like we think. If you're going to love your neighbor as yourself... And you're going to go over and help him do something. And someone says, what are you going over there for? We've got enough work to do on our own. I think about uh, staying sexually pure until you get married. If you think that marrying someone outside of your thinking pattern. I mean, Sarah and I were both lost when we got married. (laughs) <laughs> Boy, I wouldn't do it. I have friends that have got saved, and one of them's got saved, and the other one hasn't. What a train wreck. And it doesn't always end in a train wreck. Sometimes it ends in just a beautiful song, because the other spouse gets married. But if you think that you can mess with fire and not get burned, guess twice. We've all been wounded. Doesn't matter what you want to think. Doesn't matter what you want to do. I had a my accountability partner, my sponsor that I had down in Gregory. Um, he was holding me accountable one day, and, and uh, he, he, this is what he said to me. Yeah. A wound, if a wound is not dealt with properly, will make you a a bitter person, not a better person. This happens when we allow our anger 
to get a stronghold in our lives, which becomes a foothold, and then turns, wait, it's a, excuse me, a toehold in our lives, which becomes a foothold, and then turns into a stronghold, which will allow bitterness to root in. Knowing bitterness has full control in our lives, this will affect our words, our attitude, our action towards others. And only Christ can cut the root of bitterness out. However, I get to choose that, whether I'm going to let him do that or not. Now, one of the things you have to realize is I was very bitter towards my parents. And that's what we were talking about, is forgiving my parents. Colossians 2.8 says that... The place of the mind of all people that we create false philosophies or empty deceit. My folks had given me so many false philosophies and filled me with so much empty deceit. I don't know where to go. Well, then we're going to go to the bad barrel and the bad barrel makers. And number four, I think I missed three. I did. Evil people don't think they're evil. (laughs) How many young people don't think you're evil? Yeah, you think about it. The scripture says there's no one righteous. No, not one. I'm the evilest person in this church. You need to understand that because the scripture says you are the chief of sinners. You wouldn't believe how many thoughts go through my head a day. Manny and I were just talking about this this morning about our Sunday school class. We were just talking about keeping the rattling straight. Do you know how hard that is to keep all that rattling straight? But I'm not a bad person. I'm, well, we'll talk about that here in a minute. Bad barrels and bad barrel makers. Let us look at how culture looks at this thought. How many of you think you're not, think that you're not shaped by culture? I don't see any hands. Why do you dress the way you dress? Why do you watch the movies you watch? Why do you listen to the radio stations that you listen to? Why do you listen to the songs that you listen to? I like cowboy boots. I don't have any on right now. I like cowboy boots. You know why I like cowboy boots? Because I watched John Wayne movies when I was growing up and I wanted to be like John Wayne. How many of you dress today because you saw someone dressed this way yesterday on TV or at school? Philip, this guy that wrote this thing about Lucifer's effect, he said the first is the disposition on the side of the individual, the bad apple. How do you become a bad apple? I can tell you how to become a bad apple, but I'm not going to, okay? But the first thing is, is you've got to be fed with false philosophies and empty deceits from human traditions. You have to get that thought pattern someplace. 
like Manny said, we were talking and he said, you know, how do, can a tree change the course of its life? What happens if it grows up in an atmosphere that is bent and it's crooked? How hard is it going to be to straighten that tree back out? Even if you cut the tree down beside it, that tree is going to have to work because it's been pushed away from the sun. The second is situational force, which we're talking about. And then the third is political. But the thing that scares me about the bad apple and the bad barrel effect is is that... uh, there's a cause and effect. That there's actually an action and a consequence. I put down this sample uh, driving over the speed limit. I don't know who in here doesn't drive over the speed limit, but God tells us be uh, a Submissive to the authorities that are over you. Don't want to go too far. Five is evil doers aren't 100% evil. Have you ever watched a movie and saw people be evil? Yeah. Pure evil is dull, unbelievable, unpredictable. Readers can't relate to it. You know how I know this? How many of you were affected by Columbine? How many remember Charles Manson? How many of you even think about the concept of Hitler? Well, Hitler was a, was a saint compared to Stalin. And we don't even talk about Stalin. So we can't even fathom that thinking. I can't fathom it. I can't. So I just shut it down. It just goes away. It's too dull. It's not relative to me. Well, number six. Some do it for the buzz. Here's me. I can show up on this one real easy. Hmm. Then there's biological versus environmental. And both of these fit each other because I'm going to tell you a story about a young man, that, uh, and that was me. I used to go down when I was in the eighth grade, and I used to go down to the store, and we'd go down to the store, and there was four of us, and we'd all see if we could steal a bag of candy. And I had the money in my pocket to pay for the candy. Yeah, and I got caught, and God was really gracious to me, and he showed me my ignorance which was so cool to me because it was the first time in my life that someone had showed me truth and not condemned me because I was wrong. Now, how many of you have had someone come up and encourage you even though you've done something wrong? Yeah, I want you to know that that's a good feeling. That's a good feeling. Well, we better get to... Crimes without motives, before I run out of time here. There's crimes in this this land that I, 
I understand what people are doing, but a daughter gets shot by someone by a drive-by shooting. We can't relate to that because it doesn't fit in our environment. Husband's wife dies because of a drunk driver. Let's look at 9-11. How many of you can think of that kind of hate? Can you grasp a hold of that kind of hate that would create that kind of environment, that would create that kind of consequences? I can't. Boston Marathon. Here is the greatest deception that one may never know about the test that God is doing in us. The pole to pole that created the great wound which created the great evil in all of us called the blame game. The curse came from the Garden of Eden. It is a curse coming down to the third and the fourth generation. Only I can make the choice to stop and even then one's will may be affected that they may not without the right intervention. Will they be able to change? One of the reasons that people don't want to change, and most of us are in this category in this church, is because I like who I am. And that scares me because when I read the Bible, there's only one I am. You might think I'm wrong, but Jeremiah 17 says this, 9 and 10, the heart is deceitful above all things. We've already read it once this morning and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. So what's the antidote for evil? Can anybody have an antidote for evil? Hmm. In the authors, as authors write about villains, the real human beings, villains included, have reasons for what they do. Villains can't be evil for evil's sake. They need reasons, they need a motive. Doing so makes them villain, the villain more believable. And, and you, think I'm, you think I'm joking, but I'm gonna share something with you. And here's the funny part. Last night, I come home, and the movie that I'm gonna describe in a little bit, guess who's watching it? My grandkids. Yeah, my grandkids are watching it. What an amazing thing. By definition, an antagonist or villain opposes the protagonist's goal. The villain is the hero's main source of conflict. They make life difficult for them, but the greatest villains are the hero's superior. They encourage the hero to access untrapped mental facilities, strength and courage, and to overcome doubts and fears. They call the hero to adventure and invite them into the arena. The villain promotes change and drives the hero's character arch. Can you imagine, young people, if your parents weren't pushing you to become better than what you are, what you would become? How many of you became what you were because you decided that's what you were going to be? Or did you become something because your parents were right behind you, loving you through life? Proverbs 16 says this, 
All the ways of a man are pure in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. By the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Now, most of you think that it's really something, but I'm going to try to describe a movie to you. This movie is uh, a movie about a, we have a hero and we have a villain, and, and the, the villain is not the king. The king's relative has taken over the country, and he's charging taxes to the people. And this hero comes along, and all of a sudden he gets a whole band of, he's kind of a, a misfit, and he decides he's going to start stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. And then there's this Maid Mary in that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, Robin Hood. But we forget one big thing that scares me in that movie. We've made Robin Hood the hero, but he does something against God's will. What is it? He says, I'm going to say it. I'm going to steal. There we go. I'm going to steal from the rich, and I'm going to give to the poor. But we've made him the hero. I mean, they've made the movie. There can only be one villain, right? And yet here's false philosophy and an empty deceit right through a movie. Scares me how we can be so moved by society, by culture that we live in. And I'm just talking about one movie. I like action movies. And I shouldn't watch half of them that I watch. So you'll have to forgive me for that. But I like action movies. And what really bothers me about the action movies is the guy that's the hero always does something evil. Always. And yet he's my hero. So as you think about that this day, think about that God has put every person in your life to test you to see if you will love him more. I love the power of God's word because if I hadn't brought those three verses together, Deuteronomy, the Lord says that he's testing you. Then he tells me in Ephesians that I don't fight against flesh and blood. And then in Colossians, he tells me this is why you're having trouble is because of what? False philosophies created by empty deceit, created by human traditions. And I had to get all that rattling in my head straight. And some of you are way ahead of me, and I thank God for that. I just thank God for that. But don't ever, young people, don't ever, don't ever misplace your parents' ability because as they're growing 
Their arch is growing. People are growing. Their arch is growing. You're coming right alongside them. Don't ever forget to ask for advice. My children still do. And I am thankful because we've made them friends. So if you would, please stand with me as we close with the power of God's word. The Lord bless you and and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And God bless your week. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.